Hallelujah. Psalms chapter 34, verse 1 through 4. I want to speak to you on a, on a message that I was going to speak to you a couple of weeks ago. And uh, uh, just simply entitled, Lord, Save Me. Lord, Save Me. And uh, we, want to deal, we want to deal with this tonight. How many ever have you ever felt like you've been in a situation and you've built, been in a place in your life where, where you may have not have screamed it out to the top of your lungs audibly, but in your spirit you cried out, Lord, save me. Lord, save me. I don't know about you, but there's been many times in my life. Uh, there's been times that I have got in the car and I've drove out to the river. I'm telling off on myself a little bit. And it's not that I was trying to get away from everybody. I, Brother Roger, I just felt like I needed to get alone with God. And so I just, I just went out to the river. And I just prayed there in the car, Lord, save me. Lord, help me. Help in this situation. Give me, give me wisdom in this particular situation or whatever. So probably all of us can say that from time to time we've, we've been in that situation. In Psalms chapter 34, verse 1 through 4, and uh, goes like this. It says, I will bless the Lord at all times. I want, you to, I want you to say that little line with me. I will bless the Lord at all times. Let's say it one more time. I will bless the Lord at all times. Now, that means in the good times, I'm going to bless him, right? In the bad times, I'm going to bless him. In those moments where I feel like I have to cry out to him, I'm going to bless him. I'm going to bless him at all times. The psalmist said his praise shall continually be in my mouth. This is not in my message, but let me stop here long enough just to say, how many of you would agree with me that there's oftentimes in our life that when we go through this life, that, that life presents itself some ugly things at times, and if we're not careful, we say things that we wish we'd have never said. We think things that we wish we'd have never thought. I've been there, and you have too. I, we all are human. But the psalmist said, his praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make its boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear of it and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he heard me and he delivered me from all of my fears. Aren't you thankful that it, that scripture didn't say he delivered me for just some of my fears? But the Bible says he delivered me from all of my fears. Oh, magnify the Lord. That's what we was doing just a few minutes ago. We was magnifying the Lord together. Hallelujah. And there's moments in, 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 in the house of God that we get in those situations where we really want to do anything else. We just simply want to magnify the Lord. Just magnify the Lord. Because he's an awesome, awesome God. Now, this is not new to you, but let me just remind you of a little history here of the children of Israel. If you go back and look in the Old Testament, the children of Israel were, were a group of people who could really never decide who they were. They, they knew they were God's people, but yet they always found themselves in trouble, right? They always found themselves needing a prophet, needing a God that could get them out of the problems that they, that they found themselves in. They would, they would call upon God in trouble. They would serve God even for a while, and God would bless them. God loves his people. If, there's, if, there's, if you don't get anything else out of studying the Old Testament, uh, you, you ought to get, understand this one thing about the Old Testament, the children of Israel, that God loves his people. 
And it don't matter how far they went, God always rescued them. Now, he had to kill a few of them every now and then. <laughs> Do you understand what I'm trying to say? He had to, he, had to, he had to mess them up a little bit every now and then. He had to take some of them out. Matter of fact, he opened the ground up one time and swallowed a bunch of them. But God never, his, his relationship with his people never changed. He always loved his people. And, and, and they would call upon God in time of trouble. They would serve him for a while. And God would bless them. God would deliver them. And, and God would give them big, the victory. But all of a sudden, they would always run back to the world. They would always go back to the, to the wrong of where God brought them out of. They, they felt safe. They felt secure in God's arms. And then all of a sudden they begin to rub elbows with wrong people. They begin to pick up other gods, Sister Langley, and, and start worshiping those other gods. They didn't want to be odd. They didn't want to be different. They just wanted to fit in. What are you trying to tell us tonight, Pastor? We're talking about crying out, Lord, save us. But, but many times, if we're not careful, even today's society, all we want to do is fit in. I'm going to come to tell you tonight that there's coming a point in time, if it's not already here, that you and I, as a child of God, we're going to have to make a stand. And we're going to have to be different than the world. I'm not saying we've got to be weird. Now, I said that to you Pentecostal folk. I'm not saying we've got to be strange. I'm not saying we've got to do weird stuff. Okay? But we've got to stand up for the Lord. We've got to let the world know that we are not doing this. We're, we're, we're in the world, but we're not part of that thing. This is not our home. Our home is being prepared for us. Amen. But many times we just simply want to fit in. We want to fit in with everybody else, and we just want to be accepted. There's nothing wrong with, with wanting to be accepted. There's nothing wrong with wanting to be loved and all of those kind of things. But if it violates your relationship with the master, you've crossed the line. Can't violate the relationship. And when you think about that, it's really the same way today. We struggle with it as moms and dads. Young people struggle with it in school. Even though they may have been brought up to know the Lord and know the scriptures, it's, it's pressure many times. Peer pressure many times. It's, it's what your child will suffer greatly. And we've talked about this before when they go off to college. They're, they're handed certain things when they go off to college. They're, they're told certain things. Many times they're told things that, that's supposed to be truth, but it's not true. Abby, is it okay if I tell this, what, what happened on the Facebook today? Many of you know that Abby is, is putting, trying to get this God's Not Dead movie thing. And, and I talked to the owner yesterday or this past week. And we, we, we talked about a few things and on the Facebook page and all of that. And ministers, and make a long story short... There was a post that somebody, I don't even know who this guy is, but somebody posted on Abby's thing about, about God, this, this God's Not Dead movie. And I don't know exactly everything that it said, but said, I'm surprised that you people have to go to a movie to understand that God, this is all a fairy tale. This is not, this is not a real thing. God, it, God is dead. We understand that. And so Abby just posted back and wrote. Now, for me, I wouldn't have never said anything. I just let it go, you know, because you just can't. You just can't talk to some folk. You don't understand what I'm talking about. You can't get some things across to some folk. But Abby posted back and she said, well, something to the fact that, that we, but this movie is going to depict and really show us that God is alive. And I hope you go and watch this movie. Well, I hope the guy goes and watches the movie as well and I hope he gets saved from it. 
But he sent back and he said, this is just going to be a laughing thing, just a co- comedy kind of show. I'm going to really go and I'm really going to understand this thing is not for real. And ever since I read that little post, I've been thinking in my mind, I said, God, wouldn't it be cool that some point in time after March 21st, that Abby gets a, a Facebook post from this guy and says, hey, I just want to let you know I went to the movie and I got saved. <laughs> What I'm saying is to us tonight, we have to be a child of God that God has called us to be. We have to be, we have to be different from the world. Amen. Amen. Now, I know we may dress that way. We may, we may look like everybody else, but in our heart, hello, church. We've got to understand that we're God's people. But the children of Israel, same way. And so they tried to fit in with the group of people. But we seem to forget that every time... And what happened to the children of Israel every time they compromised. If you was to go back into the, into the book of Judges chapter 6, you, you would simply understand and find that when they decided to befriend the world, and the world would certainly befriend them and all of these things, but, but after all of, the, all of the, the honeymoon was over with. Now listen to me. After the honeymoon of the world is over with, after the world had left them naked, after the world had left them vulnerable, after the world would overpower them and place them in bondage all over again, they would cry out to God, God, we need a prophet. We need a savior. We need, a de- we need deliverance. Amen. And when you think about that, it's really the same way with us tonight. And whenever we come to that place of total sold-out commitment, if you're always teetering tonight, if you're always straddling the fence and you really wish that Christianity did not make you look odd, let me help some of us tonight. It's all right to be odd every now and then. It's all right to be different every now and then. Amen? And when you look in the book of Judges, chapter 6, you'll see Israel crying out again and again because the world that befriended them, they took their homes and they took their peace and they took their food. They took their belongings. They took their freedoms. I want to tell you tonight, church, that you cannot run with the wrong crowd and enjoy the fullness of God. You can't do it. It's not going to work. You cannot rub elbows with and and live around those who do not know God and expect to live a joy-filled life. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. You can't expect to live an abundant, Christ-like life if you're playing with the world. Amen. Can't do it. You've got to draw the line somewhere. You've got to draw the line at some point in your life. and You've got to say, this is it for me. I have decided I'm going to follow Jesus. I've I've decided I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm going to give you two or three points tonight if you want to write these down. There's a couple of things you've got to do and you've got to understand tonight to be a child of God. Number one, you've got to make up your mind, period. I'll let that settle in just a little bit. You have got to have a made-up mind. I'm going to follow Christ. It may be old-fashioned. It may be worn out. It may be just another cliche and all of these things. But I'll tell you tonight, it's still the truth. You've got to have a made-up mind. You will never have peace. You will never have joy until you decide that this is the only life worth living. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about because you've tried to live for God on the weekend. you tried to live for the devil throughout the week, and you just go back and forth, and you're miserable. You've got to make up your mind. This is the life worth living because God is the only true and living God. And until you and I serve him with fervor and we serve him with gladness, we will never know the fullness of the Holy Spirit. 
God wants to bless us with that. Amen. You can't teeter on the edge. You can't play with the world. You, 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 gotta, you, you can't decide to live uh, for the world and live for God too. You've got to be exclusive with God. You've got to live for the Lord. Amen. You don't, you don't wish that you had more of this and more of that and all those kind of things and the best of both worlds. You've just got to make up your mind to live for the Lord. And if you don't make the decision that you'd rather have Jesus more than anything... If you don't make the decision you'd rather have Jesus more than friends, if you can't come to the place where you can say, take the whole world, but give me Jesus, you're going to live the rest of your life juggling. You're going to live the rest of your life being miserable. You're going to live the rest of your life being half-hearted, not knowing who you are in Christ Jesus. But I can tell you tonight, every one of you, under the sound of my voice, God has purchased you with a price. He saw worth in you. He's called you out of darkness into that marvelous light. He set you on a path that you can go. And you are his child tonight. Don't allow the enemy to come in and tell you any difference. You are his child. And so decide to live for the Lord. Amen. The second thing you've got to do, not only do you have to have a made-up mind, there's times in our life that we simply must cry out to God. We simply must cry out to God. Again, this may be old-fashioned, but I remember a time, Sister Mavis, growing up in in the little churches in South Mississippi and in Arkansas and all of that, where we would come to the house of God and people would be praying. Matter of fact, the main, the main church that I remember is my, is my home church in Clara, Mississippi. That as a kid, on Sunday afternoons around 5 and 5.30, we would go to the church house with the purpose of getting on our knees and praying. The men would be in one room and the women would be in another room. I don't know why they've done things that way. Karen got tickled at me a few months ago because back there, they, they still, when they go down to the altar, they still, the, the women pray on, on this side. And the men pray on that side. And one Sunday morning I was there and the pastor called everybody to the altar. And I went down and I kneeled down on the women's side. And I, I stayed there for a while and I was praying and I got up and Karen and Abby got tickled at me because I was not on the men's side, I was on the women's side. I didn't care. But that's why they still do things. But back then when I was a kid growing up, they'd have two separate rooms they would go. But this is what I remember. I remember as a child, and I'm so thankful for my heritage. Walking into that room, and I could hear those men praying under the anointing of Almighty God. And they'd be speaking in tongues, and they'd be praying things of how God has touched this one, and God has touched that one. And I'm going to tell you, many, many times, the preacher would have to go back and stop the prayer meeting so they could have church. I would to God that even this church, one more time would come at 5 or 5.30 and show up in the prayer room back here. And maybe we can, all the men and women can be together. I don't care where you pray. But just so that we can lift up the name of Jesus. You talking about having church and having, having the power of God to show up? Look, it's not going to show up unless we pray. It's not going to come up in our house unless we spend time in prayer. You can do it here. You can do it at home, wherever it may be. I'm just saying there's moments that we can come together. And we can seek the Lord. Amen. Lifting up our voice to God. Lifting up our hands. Falling down on our face to worship God. There's something biblical about groaning and moaning even before the Lord. Amen. I remember again as a kid, those, those grown men. Sister Ruth, how would go in there. Some of them would be, be moaning under the presence of God. They'd be groaning. They didn't know what to pray. But out of their groanings and out of their moanings, God understood everything that was going on in their life. How many of us has ever been to the place where we knelt down to pray? We didn't know how to pray, but we moaned. And we groaned from within. 
And we ask God, God, you've got to come and you've got to help me. You've got to do it. I can't do it on my own. You've got to come in and you've got to take care of this situation. Amen. Psalms 34 says, I sought the Lord and he heard me. I sought the Lord and he heard me. He delivered me from all of my fears. Look, you cannot get into the seeking mode and still be afraid when it's over. Amen. It doesn't work. When you search diligently, I don't mean to find God. You've already found God, all of those kind of things. You're able to pray to God. You already know God. We're not searching for God, but we're hungry for the Lord. We're thirsty for the Lord. And and nothing else matters. We've just simply got to have the presence of Almighty God. We've got to have the presence. I was talking to a little lady this morning. She says, Pastor, I just want to tell you. When I got here this morning, Sister Michelle was singing that song, God is an awesome God, or awesome, I can't remember the name of it, but something about God being awesome. Said, I walked into the church, that's the first thing that I heard. And she said, it was like a light switch that went off in my head. She said, God just showed up in my life, and I'm so glad I came today. I'm so glad that I heard that God was still an awesome God. She said, because I tell you, she don't, she don't normally attend this church. She said, because the church that I go to, she said, I wonder if God is even there. I don't know if God is even there in our church. But she said, I come here and I hear that God is awesome. And I feel that in my spirit. And it's like a light bulb that went off. And I love coming and feeling what I feel. We all know that it's not all based on feeling. We all understand that this is a faith walk with God. But I want to tell you something. I love feel too. I love feeling the presence of God. I love feeling the goosebumps up and down my spine. I love the tears that rolls down my face. I love to feel God move in the house. Amen. Hallelujah. Every now and then do some of you good. If you just act like Brother Robert back there every now and then. Every now and then, some of you so shut up and clammed up, you need God to bust through and say, Whoa! <laughs> Sorry if that hurt your ears. Some of you just need to turn loose on some things. I'm not saying you got to be weird about stuff. I'm just saying let God move in your life. There's moments that we just simply need to cry out to the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You see, there's no way. I don't believe that there's no way that you can spend time in desperate prayer before God and crying out to God and still come out of the prayer closet feeling lonely. I don't think you can do that. I I think when you go into the prayer closet and you're in desperate mode and you're seeking God and you're crying out to God, God's going to touch you. God's going to touch you. He's going to strengthen you. If he doesn't, you need to get this attitude and say, look, I ain't coming out until he touches me. I'm not moving until he touches me. I Just leave me alone. Leave the phone outside the prayer room. Leave everything outside the prayer room. Just get in there and say, Lord, I ain't moving until you bless me. I want to tell you, when you get in desperate mode, God will touch you where you are. Amen? Amen. Every time you seek God, every time you know God has heard you, you will come out of the closet with your face aglow, with your face radiant, with the assurance that God has heard you. That God has answered your prayers. When you look down in verse number 5, it says their faces was not ashamed when they come out of the prayer closet. That means when you come out of God's presence, you're not still looking down, you're looking up. He goes on to say, he goes on to say that this poor man cried out. I mean, when you think about that statement, the Lord heard him. He saved him out of all of his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps all around those who fear him. And the Bible says he delivers them. Hallelujah. He delivers them. 
How many, how many times do you see that word there delivered in that scripture? In that one small piece of truth, in that one small piece of scripture, the Bible promises those who call on God, those who seek God, those are assured that God hears them and that God will deliver them from all of their fears. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So we've got to understand there's moments we've got to cry out to God. There's moments we've got to cry out to God. Here's, here's the point here I want you to understand. When you stop seeking God, you begin to sink. If you stop seeking God, you begin to sink. You need to understand that. You need to get that in this frame of mind, all right? Here's, here, here's the problem that many of us have and understand. We think sometimes it's an it's a instantaneous thing, but it's not. It's a gradual thing. It's a gradual thing when you fall away from the Lord. It's a gradual thing. It doesn't hit you all at once. It comes when you stop seeking God, when you don't read his word as much as you used to, when you don't pray as much as you used to, when, you don't, when you're not kind as much as you used to, when you, when you don't love your neighbor as, as you used to, all of those kind of things. It, it gradually happens, but you begin to sink. It began to sink, and that's what stands out in my mind, even in the story of Peter that we talked about in Matthew chapter 14. The Bible says that Jesus came walking to them on the water. It was a stormy night. It was a dark night. They thought that he was a ghost out there somewhere. But immediately Jesus spoke to them and said, Be of good cheer, it is I. Boy, those are comforting words when we're we're afraid, isn't it? Be of good cheer, it is I. And Peter said, Lord, I love Peter because he's bold. He got into trouble a lot with his mouth, but at least this time he was bold. He said, Lord, if it's you, can I come to you? Bid me to come. If it's you, tell me to come. And the Lord said, come. And the Bible says when Peter had had, had stepped out of the boat, he began to walk on the water. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid. And he began to sink. And he cried out saying, Lord, save me. Lord, save me. Understand tonight, church, he did not go down all of a sudden. He didn't just sink under the water. It was not an immediate thing. He began to sink. He began to every step he began to take. He went deeper and deeper and deeper in the water every step as he looked around he found himself getting wetter and getting wetter and more surrounded by the water and as he listened to the wind and as he saw the waves before he could get to Jesus he was up to his ankles maybe he got up to his knees maybe he got up to his waist in other words he began to sink he didn't go all the way under all of a sudden he had enough sense though at that moment to look up and said Lord save me If we ever need to get anything in the house of God, this is what we need to get. This thing about going back on Christ is a gradual thing. You're not going to decide, you know, going home tonight and say, you know, I'm just not going to serve the Lord anymore. If you've reached that point tonight, then you've had had several months to get to that point right now. It's a gradual thing. A lot of times pastors can notice this thing by church attendance. Not getting on to anybody. I'm not saying it's wrong to miss church. That's... Don't get me wrong. You know how I feel about all that. But when you notice some, you notice things. You, you notice people don't come to the altar as much as they used to. You notice folks that don't pray like they used to when they, when they come to church. They don't get involved as much as they used to. Little things like that. And we say, oh, pastor, no, it's not. I'm just taking, uh, you know, uh, you don't understand it. Oh, yeah. Say all you want to. But it's little gradual things. And all of a sudden we, we get to this place in our mind that we're sinking, we're sinking, we're sinking. And we've got to have enough sense about us to cry out, Lord, save me. See, some of us may be on the verge of sinking tonight. 
You may not all the way be all the way down, but you can't make up your mind who you're going to serve. You still feel the pressure. You still feel the world, and, and that world has a bit of, of a hold on you. But you know you ought to be living right. You know you ought to be doing these things. You know, you know your parents are praying for you. You know others is praying for you. You know somebody has you on their prayer list. You know Jesus is pulling for you. But it's the world. There's, there's still this opportunity. I'm still having fun. And, and, and when I get with them, I, I can't help what I do. You're beginning to sink. You've got to cry out, Lord, save me. The Bible says Peter began to sink, and he said, Lord, save me. You know what? As your pastor, I'll be honest with you, there's moments in my life that I found myself beginning to sink. There's moments in my life, Brother Parker, that, that I said, Lord, you've got to come and rescue me. You've got to come and save me. There may be different kinds of things you can sink into. You can sink in, into the lethargy or unconcern. You can sink into sin. You can, you can sink into a destructive, pathetic, or a sorry, or unconcerned, or a lazy lifestyle. You can be more concerned about things that you are about your soul and other souls. You can have this unnecessary attraction for things that simply do not matter in eternity. You need to get your mind off of those things and simply cry out to the Lord. Lord, save me. Save me. Someone will say, well, pastor, how do you know? How do you know if you're sinking? How do you know if you're sinking? If you're taking notes, you want to, we may want to write these things down. One of the things is when the joy that you have or you had, when the desire, when the, when the discipline, when those things are gone, when you can take church or leave it, you might be sinking. When you can look at filthy things of the world and not feel conviction anymore, it could be that you're sinking. Mildred is here. Was it, was it last night, I think, we was watching television? I don't even know what the show was that come on. Come on after another show that we was watching. And the very few first seconds of that show, I don't want to get too graphic here, but it was a man and a woman in a bed. Very, I mean, that's, that's how they started the show off. And I was looking at that, and my 84-year-old grandmama sitting there. Grandmama, not, you're not my grandmama, my mother-in-law. Get into trouble here real quick. Mother-in-law. I think Karen was over on the couch, and Abby was over there, and I think, what is this? And so at that moment, I have a choice I have to make. Do I pick up the remote and flip the channel, or do I sit there and watch it? I flip the channel. Because it was really disgusting and it was, it was, it was filthy of the, the, the show. I don't even know what the show was. But that's our world tonight. But if we can sit there in our living rooms with our family and our children sitting there. Listen church. Preacher please don't get on to me. Oh yes I'm fixing to. And if we can watch that stuff with, in front of our kids. Something's wrong. We could be sinking. If we, if, we, if we have so much, if the world has that much kind of pull on us, it could be that we're sinking. And we've got to re-examine ourselves. Amen. We're beginning to sink. How many knows How many knows that if we can watch that and we don't feel conviction, when you can tell a lie and say, well, I had to do it because everybody else does it. Everybody else is doing it, so we might as well take care of it as well. Amen. You can actually break God's heart and not feel bad about it. You could be sinking. When you're not weighing the consequences, when you stop looking at what will happen if you do this and just start doing it, understand there's an accountability in you. 
There's a responsibility in you. You're accountable to somebody. You're going to stand before the Lord one day. Amen. You're going to stand before the Lord. When you don't heed what the preacher is saying, when he, don't, when he, when he talks to you about the book and the things that's in the book and the, and the Lamb's book of life, and you, just, and you just go ahead and you just go ahead and live, and you just go ahead and think, oh, I've got a long time. I'll straighten it out later. You know what I've noticed? And I can't talk about any other church. I can just talk about this church. But what I've noticed over the, over the last months and years and it's probably been going on for many, many years. That while I'm up preaching, and I hope this comes out right, but I can see the body actions of certain people. Not just any particular one, just certain people. And they're not listening to anything what the Word is saying. And it could be that they need to be in the altar, but they're not paying God any attention. They have that nonchalant attitude. That nonchalant, I'm, I'm, I'm too tired, I don't want to mess with it tonight, I'm just, I'll take care of it later. I want to tell you, we don't have a promise of tomorrow. We don't have a hope of tomorrow. We have today. Right. We have tonight. We have right now to make things right. And whenever, I'm going to tell you, when you get to the place, when you get to the place and you come to church and you can walk out, of the Holy Ghost moving. I'm talking about in a Holy Ghost moving service where he is ministering to people. I'm not talking about you having to go to work. That ain't what I'm talking about. But I'm talking about you just don't want nothing to do with it. You're just going to get up and leave. You're on dangerous ground. You're on dangerous ground. Because when God shows up in a house, when God shows up to touch people, you need to stay and listen to what God is saying. Not only do you need to stay and listen, you need to get involved in what God is doing. You need to get into the water when it's being troubled. You need to get into the water when it's being stirred. It could be that God is wanting to deliver you from a 38-year dilemma. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Pastor, we, we, we don't have 38-year dilemmas. Oh, yes, you do. Yeah, we do. And this is what amazes me about God. In all of those things... In all of those things that we walk through, that we go through, God still loves us. He did the children of Israel. He still loves us. God, who, who, who means to have you, he wants you. He desires you that much. And in particular service, he arrests you one more time. He stops us. It could be at the house of God. It could be at home. It could be in our car. God stops us, gets us to understand and recognize one more time how much that he cares and how much that he loves us one more time. He tells us, I brought you here. He loves you enough to tell you one more time before you get too deep, before you compromise too much, before you cry out and you have to cry out, Lord, save me. He's trying to get you to that place to come back to him. And the Lord will reach down every time. He'll pick you up and he'll put you back in the boat where you belong. Well, the musicians, if they will, to come. Children of Israel, as, as many of you know, as we've said earlier, were a group of people that really couldn't figure out many times who they were. They knew they were called out. They were these people that uh, was called out of Egypt and in Egypt's slavery and bondage. Many times they'd get out there as they were wandering around in the wilderness and they would fuss and they'd complain a little bit. And said, you know, it would have been better for if you just left us there in Egypt to die. It would have been better if we just stayed over there. At least we wouldn't be out here hungry. And thirsty and all of these things. And they would complain after complain after complain. And every time God would show up and deliver them out of every situation. 
until he brought them, Brother Roger, to the promised land. That was his ultimate goal. I want to get you to the promised land. That's, that's, what I want, that's what I want for you. I can tell you tonight, church, that God, in his agenda, wants to get me and you from where we are to the promised land. That's his goal. He wants to get us to the place that he's prepared for us. Now, along the process, we have ups and downs. Along the process, we have times of discouragement. Along the process, there's times of being thirsty, spiritually thirsty. Along the process, we get spiritually hungry, and we need a fresh touch of Almighty God. The cool thing with God is, is when we get to that place, Brother Ronnie, all we've got to do is ask Him. All we've got to do is ask Him. And He's faithful to come and to refresh us. He refreshes us. I love services where we come into God's house. And Jeanette, God just, He just touches us in such a way that we feel refreshed. I, I hope y'all understand what I'm talking about when I say that. We're just refreshed. There's just something, there's, there's nothing like it. We just feel refreshed. We leave lifted. We leave energized. We leave enthused because God's presence has overtaken us. My prayer is for us tonight, for you tonight, is Lord, despite the sinking feeling that we may have, help us to get rid of it so we can find you. Help us to look up to you and holler out, Lord, save me. This is what you'll never find in Scripture. You never read anything in Scripture where Peter actually went underwater all the way. You don't find it. You don't find it. But the Bible says he, re he, he hollered out, Lord, save me. And the Lord reached down, picked him up, and they both walked back and got in the boat. <laughs> they both walked back on the water and got in the boat. Every time that I have that sinking feeling, I need to cry out, Lord, save me. Every time I have a feeling that, Lord, I, I've lost my way. I can't get my bearings anymore. I, I, don't have a, I don't have a clear mind. Lord, my heart is into pieces. My emotions, Lord, is, is all tore up i got to have you. That we just understand and learn to stop. Cry out to the Lord. Because Jesus wants to stop the sinking. He wants to stop the sinking. If your heart is empty tonight. If your heart is broken to pieces tonight. If your emotions are shot tonight. And you feel like you're sinking. I want to tell you that there is a God in heaven that knows where you are. And he loves and is concerned about you. He does. He's concerned about you. He'll hear you when you cry out. If you have a heart for God, then my encouragement to you tonight is simply to cry out to the Lord with a sincere and a broken heart. You see, the problem that we have many times, church, we, we can't grow deeper unless we're willing to come to God empty. It's a problem that we have. We, we come to God many times so full of stuff, God has no room to take its place. We have to empty ourselves out 
and to say, God, I can't handle it anymore. And the reality is we can't. We cannot handle it anymore. We're going to empty ourselves out and thereby it gives God an avenue, a process that I can feel the void. I can feel the emptiness. I can feel the loneliness. I can feel the discouragement. I can feel it because you've emptied yourself out. I want everybody to stand tonight. I want you to bow your heads. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Father, I want to thank you tonight for your many blessings. I want to thank you for your touch tonight. I want to thank you that even as Peter, Lord, in the scripture that when he cried out to you, Lord, if it's you, bid me come. And you told him to come. And old Peter got out of the boat. He began to walk to you. And Peter began to notice all the things the, that was around him, the waves, the wind, the storm. And he began to sink. Many times, Lord, in our life, we get enough faith to get out of the boat. We do our best to walk towards you. But all of a sudden, as the children of Israel did, we feel the wind. We feel the storm. We feel those waves from the world that's splashing up against us. We might get intimidated at times. We might get knocked off our high horse, so to speak. We feel depression and loneliness sink in. We feel the enemy coming and trying to destroy and trying to put those thoughts in our mind that doesn't need to be there. We begin to listen and we begin to sink. Before long, we're up to our ankles. Next time we look, we're up to our knees. It could be at times, oh Lord, we're up to our waist. Then Lord, for some, it could be that we're up to our neck. And we're sinking. And we feel like we have no hope. But Lord, I'm thankful tonight that through the word of God, you've reminded us that as the apostle Peter did, all we've got to do is look up and cry out, Lord, save me. Save me. And Lord, we know that when we do that, that you're faithful. And you're going to reach down your loving hand. You're going to pull us back up. And together, we'll go back into safety. I want to ask you something tonight, church, while your heads is bowed and eyes closed. If you're here tonight, I don't care who you are. I don't care who you are. And you feel like you're, you're in a life that is, that you, that's just sinking. You may feel like you're up to your ankles. You may feel like you're up to your knees or waist or even neck. tell you that all you've got to do is cry out. Can I tell you that all you've got to do is to come running to this altar and the Lord will save you tonight. He'll pick you back up. He'll take you back into the ark of safety. And I promise you, you'll leave different than you came in Jesus' name. Father, while that's settling on the hearts and minds of those that are here tonight under the sound of my voice, 
God, when I release this congregation to come to the altar, I pray that there may be those that will come running to you. I'm not saying they're, they're doing bad things, Lord. I'm just saying that in their life, in their spiritual life, that they feel like they're sinking. They have no hope. They need a fresh touch of your glory. And Holy Spirit, I ask you to go and compel them to come. Compel them to come. Draw them tonight. In the name of Jesus, we pray. As Sister Michelle gets ready to sing, I want to open up this altar tonight to whoever you may be. And I want to ask you to come. You can come and kneel. You can come and stand. However you're comfortable, it doesn't matter to me. But I, this is what I believe. If you're faithful enough and you're bold enough as the Apostle Peter to get out of the situation that you're in and come running to the Lord, I believe that he's faithful and bold enough to touch you even as you begin to take the first step tonight. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, would you come?